It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. As always, it is absolutely awesome to have so many of you out there listening. So thank you very much. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce master plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing, but simply helping you lot to get more customers. You can join in the conversation about this episode and our other episodes and other things e-commerce in our Facebook group, which is the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group. And you can go straight there via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. I met this week's guest at the Internet Retailing Conference back in October, and it's such an interesting e-commerce idea that I just had to get them on the show. So I want to introduce you to our special guest. It's Nick Brackenbury, and he is the co-founder and CEO at Near Street. Now, Near Street are on a mission to get all of us back into our high street shops. They believe finding and buying something from a real shop nearby should be faster and easier than ordering it online. They came out of a nine-month closed beta period in May 2016, and the business is now growing really fast. They've got over 250 London shops in six different product categories, and by mid-2017, they're anticipating to have over a 1,000 London shops on board. The active customer base is also growing, as of course it should be, at a steady 35% per month. Hi, Nick. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed, thank you. Excellent. Well, I, look, I've just given our listeners a really quick overview of you and Near Street that, to be honest, has possibly left them slightly more confused than understanding at this point. But please bear with us, everybody, because we will get there. Uh, we will go into de- into detail of exactly what Near Street is shortly. But before we do that, Nick, how did you get involved in this world of e-commerce? Uh, so it was um, it was actually through my co-founder uh, Max Crane, and uh, it was it was through a literal light bulb moment. Um, so when uh, Max uh, and I used to work together back at Ogilvy in the ad world, and he uh, he was sitting at home one day about to have some uh, some friends over for dinner, and the light bulb in his dining room went. And uh, so he pulled out his phone to try and find where he could get it nearby. And of course, his phone just told him tons and tons of places he could order it online, but nowhere in a real shop nearby. And uh, he kind of had this moment thinking, well, how can it be that it's so easy for me to find this product in a warehouse hundreds of miles away and so difficult to find it in a real shop nearby? Um, and it was kind of that moment that, that sparked the idea for Near Street. And he got in touch with me. Um, I got a background in digital and it just looked like, yeah, this is this is an incredible opportunity for both shoppers and high street shops. And we should we should do this. And, uh, and kind of we went from there. Wow. So a full on literal light yeah. bulb moment. Yeah, as literal <laughs> as it can be. <laughs> so your background in digital, did that include e-commerce or were you coming in very much with fresh eyes? Uh, so I came in from a, uh, a digital production background. So at Ogilvy, I worked on kind of building and, and producing global websites for a whole range of clients. So I hadn't actually touched e-commerce, but I'd done a lot of work with kind of really big digital teams, um, kind of doing uh, doing global websites for a whole manner of different clients. 
I know that sometimes we think in e-commerce that we have the most complex sites. When you're trying to do something global with content for a, for an international business, that is usually even more complicated. So. Yeah, it's, it's when you suddenly discover things like, oh, okay, um, we have to author content in Arabic now. This is going to be interesting. Everything's kind of going the opposite way or, or Russian. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly an interesting challenge. We have to rethink all of that. Yeah, a whole load of new design challenges, let alone yeah. all the rest of it. Okay, cool. So, so as we were saying before we got, got into this, into this interview and hit the record button, I, you know, I take my hat off at you for taking on the challenge of Near Street, which I guess may, maybe you'd have to come in fresh to, to e-commerce <laughs> to be willing to do it. So do you want to tell the, uh, the audience a little bit about how Near Street actually works? Yeah, sure thing. So Near Street is, is an e-commerce site um, as far as people who are shopping are concerned. Um, and you can almost think about it a little bit as like delivery for retail. So when you're shopping for something on Near Street, you, you simply search for a product you want, as you would on any other uh, e-commerce site, and we'll kind of show you the products that match your, your search query. But the difference is when you actually go to buy it, what you'll see is where you can actually buy it in a real shop nearby. And that's kind of live data coming out of the shops we work with saying, hey, this product is actually in a shop, you know, a few hundred meters, a 10-minute walk, 15-minute walk from you right now. And we allow you to actually check out and purchase from that shop uh, in just a few taps. And this isn't something like click and collect today where, you know, you click and collect and it's ready in four hours or it's ready tomorrow. We're actually seeing live inventory in shops and allowing to buy it for instant collection in just a couple of taps. Um, we also work with a couple of different uh, delivery partners. So if you don't want to have to actually go and collect it from the shop, we'll also have it delivered to you as well. So it's really kind of harnessing this power of all the items that are on the shelves of shops nearby you and just allowing you to browse them and buy them in one place. So it's, uh, it's, you know, it's what we think will be really the way we all expect to shop in just a few years time, but right now feels you know, kind of novel and new. So I'm guessing you didn't go, right, let's sell every product under the sun from day one. So what no. product categories are you dealing with? Uh, so we, we started with books um, and uh, that wasn't as kind of a, a, a poke at Amazon, although that's, that's often how it's framed. Um, and we started with books just because they're, I think everyone knows and, and has a real love for kind of where the bookshop sits in, in our high streets and, and what the, the really nice positive associations people have with them. But from the point of view of actually testing our technology, they're a really interesting space as well, because a bookshop has typically only one of each item. Mm -hmm. And as, uh, as anyone that works in retail will know, most retailers have kind of got an 80 or 90% confidence in what's actually in their shops. <laughs> so if you've got one of something, and you've got 80% confidence that it's there. That, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, that's a uh, big potential customer service nightmare. Exactly. So when we founded Near Street, you know, we spent about nine months developing the technology to try and reconcile that problem and say, you know, how, how do we actually solve for this fact that retail is inherently, you know, high street retail is inherently quite messy. You don't really have a live view of what's in the shop. Um, how do you solve that? So we started with bookshops. Um, and since then, we've kind of jumped up to, uh, to half a dozen categories and, and kind of we're, we're shooting for a dozen categories at the moment. So these are things like DIY items, consumer electronics, stationery, gift shops, health and beauty, pharmacies, you know, all those items that you need. You don't really mind where you get them from, but you never know exactly where you're going to find them. Now, the... The other kind of part of it, I guess, is is where where you choose the ge geographical structure, because yeah. there there is that whole chicken and egg piece. And you know, a few episodes back, we had on Matt Brady, who's one of the marketing yep. 
uh, chair or lead marketers at Just Eat and now works um, building the Rock Pamper Scissors. And I said to him, you know, how, would you go after the customer or do you go after the, the supplier of product first? And he was very much after going after the supplier of product, which I'm guessing from what you've told us about the beta phase and everything is, is very much what you did. How important was it to geographically restrict that piece as well? Um, so really important. And actually, just after starting our company, uh, we actually went to a talk by Matt Brady, and he kind of gave that advice. And it was right around the time he was setting up Rock, Pamper, Scissors. Mm-hmm. So we were actually able to get some of that learning firsthand at a very, very early stage in the company, which was which was really invaluable. It's a fundamental, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah. right. All right. You've been there. You've done that. You focused on everything on the store. Okay, cool. We'll go for the stores. Brilliant. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so that's, you know, that's even where we are today. We focus a huge amount of our effort on signing up retailers um, because that's kind of where the real value is in the platform, knowing exactly where products are in the real world around you. Um, and then kind of the the customers, we still do a, you know, a great deal of customer acquisition, but it's, um, you know, you have to have that incredible network of stores. So we sort of focus in central London at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know you need a certain density of shops for a platform like ours to work, which is location based. It doesn't really function if you've got just two of a, a shop in a category and they're kind of on opposite sides of the city to you. And are there any plans in the near future to go into more cities and more spaces, or really just nailing the model in London first? Um, so at the moment, we're focused on really growing that ecosystem in London and getting that working really, really nicely. And that's kind of, you know, tech and growth go hand in hand there. So as we're bringing new categories and bringing on new shops, there's usually a tech piece to, to build the integrations for those. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the minute, we're looking at our next cities. And because we've built the connections once, it's then more of just a growth challenge of just saying, okay, cool, we now need to put a, a business development team in another city to then start bringing those shops on. But that's a, a much easier challenge because it's no longer a, okay, we have to build a new connection for this type of store because we've already got those connections in place from uh, from the, the work we've done in London. So uh, I can't tell you which cities we're going to <laughs> next, but uh, you know, but we've got a few more on the radar at the minute uh, on the roadmap that we're really excited to launch soon. It's, it's definitely one of the economies of scale of, of studying in one city and moving to another is you've, you've already got the blueprint. We know what's going to happen. We built the tech. It's exactly. now rollout. It's not reinventing the wheel each time. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, sorry, go on. No, 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 after you. Well, I was just going to say, it's sort of validating those assumptions you make early on in a startup. You know, <laughs> everyone has that lovely hockey stick curve. It's like, cool, this is how it's <laughs> going to grow. But along there, there's a whole bunch of assumptions. And one of them is, you know, how much do we think it's going to cost? And how much do we think, how much time do we think it'll take to launch a new city? And uh, yeah, so it, it's validating that with kind of the first additional city we do. And then if that's what we think it will be, it's then uh, it's then a much quicker job to roll out to additional cities. Cool. And I'm guessing that your tech platform is a bespoke one? It's totally bespoke, yes. Okay. So we, we've created a platform that we call the Near Live platform. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially, it's the, in a nutshell, it's the interface between our site and all of the shops we work with that allows us to get live inventory out of the shops uh, from some very, very old technologies in store uh, and allows us to then get orders back into those shops in a really, really fast way without adding any new hardware or software to the shops themselves. And that's kind of the real, the real crux of it. Wow. So you're not expecting the, the shop owner to, you know, download your software, use your hardware or anything to keep track of stuff. You're literally just finding a way to deal with their legacy systems. Exactly. And, wow. and, you know, at, at the point we're recording this, we do not yet have a single shop that we have an API connection to. It's, they just, they don't exist. They're all such old systems. So, 
um, yeah, it's, it's, you have to do some real out of the box thinking about how you're going to integrate with these, you know, I think the oldest system we work with was invented in 1988. Um, yeah, it was discontinued in 1997 from a support perspective, but it's still in use in one of our retailers and it's, it's quite a large one. So I won't name them, but it's, uh, it's, it's quite a large national retailer. Oh my word. Yeah. Yeah. There's some fun, especially when you're trying, when you're dealing with 80% stock likelihood and, and all that. Actually on, on that likelihood of the stock actually being there. Um, have you ever had any problem of the, um, cause I, I know this is something which a lot of boutique, you know, single store bricks and clicks businesses have when they think about going online and their stocks there on the shelves is that, you know, someone orders it online and at the same time a customer's trying it on in the changing room and it's the only unit yeah. you've got left. Have you had many of those instances? Oh, for sure. So that that's, I guess, reconciling that problem is the, the fundamentals about how our platform works, how our new life technology works. Because what we do is uh, essentially, um, in a nutshell, it kind of confirms the shop incredibly quickly at the moment of order. They've definitely still got it. And if they don't, we try and source it somewhere else. But we do all this incredibly quickly. So it's totally invisible to the customer who's actually buying the item. Oh, right. So, so it's kind of like a manual. Have you definitely got it? Yeah, I've definitely got it. It's okay. We can sell it type thing. Yeah. Going on. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm kind of simplifying what it actually yeah, does. Yeah. But that's kind of the crux of it. It's, you know, we somehow have to reconcile the fact that the stock isn't completely accurate or maybe it is accurate, but, you know, as you say, someone might have it in the changing room. So it's in stock, but can't be bought. So, you know, we have to have some way of, of reconciling that and generally it's a manual confirmation, but in a really low effort way is the, the best way to do that. So you don't have many customer service nightmares of the, of the product not being there then? No, we don't. And, and uh, a huge portion of our total orders are uh, repeat purchases. As once someone's come into the business and uh, come into the platform and actually tried it, they're always amazed that it actually exists. And then once they've discovered that it exists, uh, they keep coming back, which is always really nice to see. Now, do you have just the website or do you have an app as well? Uh, so we have a website and an iOS app. Um, we're hoping to launch an Android app a little bit later this year. But what we see is is a lot of people use just the, the mobile version of the site and, and they're really happy with how that performs. So we will get to Android eventually, but it's it's not at the top of our priority list right now. So the Android customers are doing all right on the website for now? They're they're doing just fine. They're a flexible bunch. <laughs> we are indeed. <laughs> Speaking as yeah, one well, myself. I'm, I'm one of them myself. So. <laughs> Cheers to the Android. Uh, okay, so um, so one last question about how things are going at the how you how things are set up is what sort of team have you got doing you know what sort of numbers and what sort of structure is it because there must be an awful lot of tech work an awful lot of kind of human interaction to get these things happening. So how many of you are there? Um, so we start well we wrapped up um, 2016 with a six person team and that's that's growing to ten people. Um, and that's split pretty much evenly down the middle between uh, half on development of the product and half that is biz dev and a little bit of hybrid biz dev and, and uh, customer support. So um, we like to keep it really simple um, because that's, you know, it's everyone's very, very clear on what they're doing and uh, everyone has very clear ownership of kind of how we're going to grow the company together. And it kind of goes back to that marketplace thing where a huge part of our focus right now is growing the shop numbers. So uh it keeps it nice and simple thinking about it that way. How that is a lot smaller than I was thinking. And I would guess quite a lot, a lot of our listeners were thinking. So a very lean team. And, uh, and I love the phrase you used in there of hybrid biz dev. What's hybrid biz dev? So um, we have people doing biz dev and doing customer support. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, it's I can, 
I'm trying to think who I heard about this on a podcast from. Um, but there was a company um, on a podcast I was listening to who they really believe for, for not only developers, but for business development to really properly understand both sides of the marketplace. They need to kind of work across both sides of the marketplace. And so, you know, business development, you would traditionally think of just how do we sign up more or cut more yeah. shops. But if you really understand how shoppers are using it and actually doing some customer support as well, um, then I think it gives you a much stronger kind of uh, team and a much better understanding of how how the, the business works as a whole rather than just one small part of it. Well, presumably then you also avoid, well, you get the benefit of the customer having a relationship with someone on both sides of the coin who's the same human being, which is always nice for the customer to get that consistency. Um, yeah, exactly. And you also avoid the problem of the salesperson selling things that aren't there <laughs> because they're they're feeling the pain of oversold of oversold customers were there to be any yeah exactly so you know and, and understanding exactly the types of shops we have and how they function is really important to, to you know helping on the customer support side so um you know it's something we're always looking at improving and uh you know but the team works pretty well at the minute it's, it's you know it's a great culture as a result excellent so uh so right now nick what do you think is the most awesome thing about near street um, I think it's, I think it's that we're offering something that so many people search for, but just don't believe can exist. Um, like Google keeps talking about the fact that local search is growing at 150% a year. So people searching for like, where can I find, where can I buy, where can I get mm-hmm. all these kind of locally focused searches. Um, but people are so used to being frustrated by that and then having to go down a really painful purchase journey that when they discover that a platform like ours exists, they, they genuinely don't believe it at first. Um, you know, it's like, it can, is it actually possible that there's one place where I can see where all the products I'm looking for are in one place? And it's like, yeah, that exists. No, yeah, it really does. And, and you know, when we do user feedback, when people actually have that moment of realizing what they can do, it's just, it's an awesome moment to watch. Um, it, it's like, wow, I can actually, you know, shop on my high street in one place. Um, so that, that's, I think, the thing that we're really excited about at the minute, just continuing to deliver that incredible experience where people just don't almost believe it's possible until they've tried it. So you mentioned there about the fact new customers don't believe it when they first see it. So how are you getting those new customers in? Is it, you know, you using AdWords or PPC, those being the same thing, uh, or SEO? Yeah. What, what's, what's the way you're getting the customers in? Um, so we we have quite an, an iterative approach that we're always testing. Um, there's a fantastic book called Traction, and I forget who it's by. Oh, now I can tell you the um, answer to that because I can see it right here. Hold on a second. Oh. Sorry, nearly caused a collapse of the bookcase there. Um, see, it's within arm's reach of where I'm sitting. It's by Gabrielle Weinberg and Justin Mares. That sounds like the one. Um, but essentially, they... They say, you know, startups will achieve growth by one of 19 possible channels. And that really goes from everything from conference speaking to, uh, you know, traditional AdWords. Um, but you need to constantly be testing them and going around through them to work out what what's going to work for you. And that will change as your business, de- you know, develops and grows. So we do a lot of the traditional stuff that you'd expect. Like, um, you know, we do a lot with Google products. Um, we do a lot of, with um, Facebook ads. Uh, we play around with some of the other product offerings that come out. Um, so something we're quite interested in exploring at the minute is uh, Pinterest product ads and things like that. Um, 
but it's something that we're always iterating and testing upon because a the way people shop for stuff is changing and b as our business grows what we're finding is things work at one point and then as we kind of grow to new categories and new sale uh, a new scale we actually it stops working and we have to find something else that works even better it's, it's interesting. We did the um, the beginning of 2017. We came out with a podcast all about the marketing methods that you need to be using to to be successful in 2017. And essentially, the all the different opinions that came out of that. The real key one was you've got to be agile. You yeah. you can't keep doing. You very much cannot assume that what you've done in the past is going to work. You've just got to keep testing. When something works, keep doing it, but don't get emotional about it. If it drops off, try something else. So it yeah. seems, seems like that's, that's what's working for you. Yeah, indeed. And I think the one thing that that uh, really see a lot of value from is, is we don't see as much traffic as we like, but we see a ton of value from is just organic social. And I'm sure other people see the same thing. But there is a, I was speaking uh, last year at the Wired Retail Conference, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy just before me was uh, one of the founders of Casper, the mattress company. And oh, yeah they've been able to grow incredibly quickly just through great social content. Um, and they find that all these people who are so enthusiastic come in and convert incredibly well. And we see that you know, with our site, the conversion rate of people who come in from social is so much higher than any other channel just because they're really invested in what we're doing and really get it and you know, are really enthusiastic about it. So trying to get more people from that channel, I think, is, is a really important thing for us. Um, and it's something we're always trying to work to improve. And, and a challenging one because it's yeah, not about sure. what you put out there. It's about what everybody else puts out there. Exactly. You can't say you're cool. Someone else has to tell you you're cool. <laughs> exactly. That's, um, we had uh, Dan Adler of Wink Beds, which is a, an American uh, mattress company, very similar yeah. model to the Casper model. And uh, he, he's grown his to seven figures pretty much based on influencer marketing with a splattering of, uh, of affiliates in there. Yeah. So it's, uh, I suppose that is the one way you can try and manipulate it, but it's always challenging. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so what's on, what's on the radar at the moment? What's, what, what's going to be coming up in 2017 that you're able to tell us about at this stage? Um, so I think for us, the most exciting things we're doing at the minute are around predictive retail. So uh, where we really see e-commerce going is if you look at kind of how it's evolved, products are getting closer and closer and closer to people to fulfill this growing level of convenience. You know, it, it mm-hmm. went from kind of three, four or five day delivery from a warehouse to two day delivery to a click and collect store. to kind of one hour delivery from a, a micro distribution center somewhere in a city. And we kind of see the end game of this as, you know, not just being products in shops, but having products already where people are. So by that, we mean at the moment you search for something is guaranteed to already be in a shop near you because we're pretty sure that that demand exists there. And we can tell our retailers, look, you should be stocking this because people are going to be buying it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so something we're working on right now is looking at the, the hundreds of millions of data points we have of what people are searching and buying for where, and then matching that up with where those products actually are in our current network of retailers, and then trying to work with the retailers to say, hey, guys, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who are looking for this type of product in your area, but no one in your area stocks it right now. And we know from all the data we see that if someone's near a product, their chance of converting and buying it is so much higher. And so if we can get these retailers to then bring that in stock, then you know, we hope to actually have products already where people are looking for them. And, you know, that's what we see as being you know, a really exciting part of, of kind of local e-commerce and the whole area that we're working in. Now, cheeky question. So feel free to say, Chloe, you're being too cheeky. I'm not ask- answering that. Um, that. That data that you've got, 
um, you know, are you going to sell that back to the retailers or are you going to give that to the retailers on the basis that it makes the business better? Because I know uh, a lot of people would develop that and go, ooh, new product line. Uh, so two parts to the question, uh, or to the answer, <laughs> sorry. Um, to the retailers, they get it for free. Um, and that's because it's better for our platform and for our, e- our ecosystem if it's easier for customers to get products. We work on a commission basis. So if uh, if people are buying more because those products are easier to buy, that's great for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part to the answer, though, is that we are making that available anonymously um, to brands. So if a brand wants to see how their products are performing, then it's a product. It's something we're developing at the minute is the ability for for large brands to actually see how their products are selling in different parts of uh, of London and obviously eventually other cities as we grow to them. So free for shops and paid for for brands. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for answering that one, Nick. I do appreciate it. I think we should now go into the top tips round, and Ooh, I. I love this section because it gives all of us some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So first up, Nick, you've already given us one great book recommendation, but let's have another one. So your book top tip, please. If everybody listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I would definitely recommend Nudge, which is by Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein. Um, and it's all about behavioral economics and, and kind of, you know, if an economist says people will act rationally, uh, a psychologist will say people definitely act irrationally. And this book kind of looks into how we all make decisions. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. Oh, excellent. I'm going to add that one to my list because I, I do love a bit of kind of neuropsychology piece. Um, right. The traffic top tip next then. Which marketing method do you either prize or above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with uh, what we were talking about earlier with, with organic social. Um, it doesn't drive enough volume at the minute, but the volume it does drive for us is so high quality of converting. So I would definitely say you know, organic social and the great content you can put on there is so good. Excellent. Now the tool top tip. This might be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Uh, yeah, I would say um, Databox, which is a, a dashboard tool, but it's it's just really, really slick and it's got a great free plan for, for startups um, and then there's some paid plans, but it's just a really easy way to see metrics across all your channels, whether it's Facebook, AdWords, uh, Google Analytics. It's just a fantastic tool so that everyone knows exactly where we're at with our numbers. Nice, which is essential in those early dynamic days, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Keep keep you focused on the important stuff. Um, the startup top tip then. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? I would say be really clear with what your vision is because um, it's what will drive everything you do. And there's going to be a whole bunch of difficult early decisions you'll have to make, uh, whether it's you know what you're not going to do, how you're going to hire, who you're going to approach to help you. And if you've got a really clear vision, those Difficult decisions are much, much easier to make. Another great piece of advice. Another great top tip. Now, Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 96. Now, Nick, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? Yeah, sure thing. If you head to near.st, uh, that's where you'll find our site. And uh, on social, you can find us on Twitter at getnearstreet. So that's at getnear, 
S-T. Uh, and on Facebook, just look us up as Near Street. Excellent. Well, I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, as I said, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 96, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use that search box. Nick, thank you so much for being on the e-commerce Masterplan podcast today. It's been really interesting looking at your alternative vision of e-commerce. And I really do wish you all the best with it because I think it's a great development. Um, so, uh, so thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. What a different approach to e-commerce that is, but some great, some some really interesting ideas, but also some great uh, content there and things you can pick up to to make your business better. And that whole piece about agile marketing, I think we're going to be talking about that a lot more in the year to come. So as one of the subscribers, if you're enjoying the show, I know I always say this, but please do share it with your e-commerce friends. Twitter, Facebook, Coffee, Pint, I do not mind. It's just great to get the, get the, uh, get the show out there. And if you want to join in the conversation about this and our other episodes, then um, please do head over to the Facebook group. It's called e-commerce master plan world, and you can go straight there via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. I hope to meet some of you at Internet Retailing Expo, which is happening this week in Birmingham. Um, So if you see me out and about, do come and say hi, because it's always great to hear what you're up to. So have a great week, whether you're in Birmingham or not, and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the